Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. This is Dr. Lila Walk-Colburn, Associate Professor in the Section of Infectious Disease Department of Medicine at Baylor College of Medicine. Thank you for joining me for the second episode in my series of podcasts answering your frequently asked questions on the coronavirus. I have divided the different questions into themes. The theme today is the new symptoms uh, being put out by the CDC and a typical presentations of COVID-19 disease. This series will provide an infectious disease perspective to the questions that you submit this podcast will be published weekly at theprimed.com. So let's talk about the new symptoms or atypical presentations. One thing I would like you to remind you is that this is actually a very young disease or a new disease that we have started learning more about recently. If you know, uh, we discovered or you know became known to the genomic of the SARS-CoV-2 on January 7th of 2020. Since then, there has been more um, spread globally, as we know, as we reach 3 million, and we are also trying to see the different presentations. What we saw in China is very different what we're seeing today, or actually is we have added more symptoms and signs to our clinical presentations. I urge you to, to read an article that came out last week by Dr. Rahesh Gandhi, John Lynch, and Carlos Del Rio, where they talk about mild or moderate COVID-19 in the New England Journal of Medicine of April 24, 2020. Here they um, go throughout and talk about the established and potential risk factors for severe COVID-19. Older age is one of them, then chronic lung disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, immunocompromise, end-stage renal disease, and liver disease. This is important because these are going to be our populations who are at risk for acquiring. And the article continues to go into um, staging the the SARS-CoV-2 in the stages of infection. If we remember how diseases go, there's always a pre-symptomatic, a symptomatic, and a recovery phase. So the pre-symptomatic or what quote-unquote we call asymptomatic is where we can actually detect RNA virus as well as having viable viruses detectable in the respiratory samples. Transmission can occur. Um, this is usually um, occurs through aerosolized, as uh, through um, you know droplet transmissions, um, and then after that, as the viral replicates in our body and goes down to the bronchial tree, and you start becoming viremic. That's when your body's immune system starts acting up, and you start having the fever. You're gonna have upper respiratory infections, and as the fever goes up, you're gonna have myalgias, and then you become symptomatic 
which is what everybody um, experiences. Uh, and, and you see the different parts of the CDC criteria where you have fever, sore throat, headache, shaking chills, upper respiratory infections, shortness of breath, difficulty breathing. At this stage, RNA is detectable in respiratory samples, blood, and feces. There is viable virus, and transmission can occur again by droplet, but also by direct, contact, indirect. This is the part where you cough into your hand and um, or you touch areas, so someone coughs and the little droplets just stay on the surface areas and you inadvertently come by and touch yourself. And that's how you uh, transmit. So that's the direct, indirect contact. And as the disease progresses, remember 80% will have a mild to moderate disease. And then what we worry is about that 20% which can become moderate to severe and strains our intensive care units as we need more ventilators and um, care for these patients. Eventually, you you know, the disease peaks, yeah, peaks around day 7 to 10, and then it starts coming down, and it's that the post-symptomatic, and it can last 14 to 21 days. There are patients that refer that it can last longer as they get better from, from the disease. If you've had more severe, meaning that if you've been in, in the hospital and you have been hospitalized, then your recovery is going to take longer. At this time, we don't suspect um, if there is viable virus, uh, but it's still an unknown and it's something, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye for. So that comes to, you know, the symptomatic stage, the symptoms. And this comes to the atypical and the common classic ones, as we will probably call them in a year from now. So you can have your fevers. Um, the fevers in about 75% of the hospitalized patients, the fever will peak and then it will go away and you know that you are finishing that viremic response and starting an inflammatory. But only 50% have fever and admission. Remember that our most vulnerable population, our geriatric patients, don't exhibit fever all the time. Then as the virus goes into our respiratory tract, you are going to have cough and dyspnea. Cough between 45 to 80%, dyspnea about 20 to 50%. And you can have myalgias, myalgias 10 to 50%, and that's as your fever goes up, you'll have those shaking shells. Now, interestingly, we have seen more gastrointestinal disease than described before, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, mostly in the pediatrics, but we see it in adults. In the diarrhea can be less than 30%, and you can only have one presenting symptom in about three to 12% of the population that are diagnosed positive. Since this is a viral disease, it can actually affect your brain. You can actually have strokes, you can have an encephalitis, you can have seizures, and as well as you can have a viral myocarditis, so you can have chest pain. So a typical presentation of chest pain of a myocarditis can be particularly seen. And we do know that there is a troponin leak as the, the heart is strained with this infection. Then other things that are a little bit more atypical is the sense of uh, loss of the sense of smell, anosmia, and loss of the sense of taste, agusia. This can precede the disease beyond the presymptomatic stage where you can't exactly smell. So a good test, smell your coffee in the morning. 
Viral conjunctivitis you can see in about 32% in a single study. And, and it makes sense, right? It's a virus and it can, you know, it's just what we described. It can become an encephalitis, myocarditis. It can affect your eyes. And then I think the most fascinating one is the one that we see with the skin. We either can have, you know, a rash kind of dengue-like. So, you know, it's a red sea with white islands to libido reticularis, to chablains or perneal, which is a frost-like rash that you get at the end of the toes. And you can see also kind of changes of, of blue or and red with it. Interestingly, in an article that it has is it has not been peer reviewed, but it was on the MedRxV, where it features about 60,749 hospitalized patients in the UK. They saw this range of diseases being, yes, the most common cough and fever, but seeing atypical presentations, like I just said. You're going to have lymphadenopathy, conjunctivitis, you can even have otitis media, it's a virus. So think of where you can see a viral infection that's probably going to be the one that is going to be. Um, uh, being diagnosed with that. So the the new the new um, criteria put by the CDC is is new for the CDC, but our typical symptoms that we have seen in a range of our patients that we're seeing throughout the U.S. as well as globally. We are learning more about this disease every day, and we will continue learning about it. Um, probably we you know, we'll know more in, in a year or two years and kind of think that the whole picture makes sense. Thank you very much for joining me today as I answer your frequently asked questions. I look forward to your feedback and for you to join me for my next podcast on primed.com. Be safe and look me up at docwalk 71 in Twitter. Thank you. We thank you again for joining Primed for today's podcast. Remember to claim your CME credits for the program on this activity's landing page on primed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Also be sure to check out all of our other podcasts and primary care activities on primed.com as well. See you next time.